You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the Repack. I'm Justin Mosqueda, and I'm joined here by Evan Tex Western. Say what's all the people, Tex, fresh out of Hawaii. Yeah, it was uh, It was not the, the game that I wanted to see when I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii trying to photograph sunset. Uh, it certainly eased the pain a little bit, but uh, still was a crappy night uh, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Let, uh, let's touch the uh, happy stuff first. What, yeah. what are the coolest things you did in Hawaii? Oh, my God. Um, we did two doors off helicopter rides, uh, one around Kauai, one around the big Island. That was amazing. Um, and then on the big Island out of Kona, we did a whale watching cruise and we saw a, a crap ton of whales. Um, we saw one breach the only, the entire time. And I actually got a really good picture of it. I've got it up on my Instagram at Tex Western. Um, I was one of the only people on our, on the cruise who, who actually got a photo of it. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, then we saw like, I mean, we saw 20, 25 whales on the tour. We saw a whole bunch of dolphins, like manta rays and monk seals, like all these cool endangered animals just off the coast. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and then we took a surfing lesson on Waikiki just because you kind of have to. And I was so sore, so dead after that, like going out there for an hour. I can't understand how like 50 year old Kelly Slater is going out there and winning surfing competitions at his age. And here I am, you know, 15 years younger and and feeling like I'm going to die after an hour. It was, it was nuts, but awesome trip. Great time. Unfortunately, um, I was really hoping to be, you know, coming back in time to, to see the Packers kick off in the NFC championship game. Uh, that was, it was going to work out great. Like we were supposed to land at five. The game was going to start at six 30. It was going to be awesome. And then, you know, special teams do did what special teams does in green Bay and flush it all down the drain. Yeah. God said you had plans. That's cute. That's fun. Yep. 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 <laughs> Pretty much. So here we are uh, talking about uh, new special teams coordinators. And instead of talking about the Packers in the Super Bowl, So yeah, what so the Packers, do? I guess, if we're going to talk about the coaching stuff, um, you know, it seems like they're interested in in Rich Passaccia, who everyone is going to remember as the interim head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders after uh, John Gruden uh, resigned, quote unquote, resigned. Um, he had been a longtime special teams coordinator. He's kind of like, it seems like the vibes he gives off is like very tough, but everyone loves him. Like yeah. everyone understands, like this is just kind of how he is, and it's like not a personal thing, I guess, which is very different than like how people reacted to like Joe Judge, for example, which is <laughs> not not hey, this guy loves me. It's hey, I hate this guy. Going to work for him sucks every day, and I, I want to quit playing football, um, which happened multiple times under Joe Judge's watch. So hopefully that you know they can be able to land them. You know, obviously the Packers coaching staff probably still right now as we're recording on Sunday night is in Las Vegas because, you know, they'd been coaching uh, the Pro Bowl game there this week. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, he he got a head coaching uh, – he advanced through the head coaching 
you know, process with not only the Raiders, but also the Jacksonville Jaguars once they fumbled their whole situation with Byron Leftwich. And then I think they made a, a solid hire in, in uh, Doug Peterson. is just yep. they they made a mess. They they stumbled into a good hire, basically. So yeah. Rich Versace is a guy who's, you know, highly thought after. You know, obviously last year, um, Lafleur tried to hire Rizzi from uh, who ended up with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he, you know, basically Mark Murphy turned down a one point five million dollar uh, contract, which ended up potentially costing the Packers, you know, playoff wins. Um, <sighs> hopefully, they've yeah. learned their lesson at this point. The other rumor that we just saw was uh, Jerry Ros- Rosberg, I believe is how you say it, mm-hmm. the former special teams coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens. Um, he retired after the 2018 season, and apparently he's looking to get back into the game. He is 66 years old. He is not a young guy, but obviously, you know, Baltimore Ravens, they've kind of built their franchise around uh, defense and special teams first and foremost. Obviously, now they have Lamar Jackson. That gives them a little bit more dynamic of an offense than they had under Joe Flacco or, I mean, Kyle Bowler, any of those guys, Trent Dilfer. But uh, they, they still were kind of more built on that side of the ball. So it's nice to see them, you know, being rumored to these guys who have experience when we've seen basically since 2019 outside of, uh, you know, Joe Barry's hiring, it's just been internal hires. And then even then, you know, 20, 2019, when they uh, turned over the head coaching position, they kept Mike Pettin there as defensive coordinator. So it's nice to see them looking outside of the building, if nothing else. Yeah. And, and like you said, hopefully they've learned that they need to pony up for somebody in that, that role. And, and both from a coaching perspective and from a, personnel perspective right um we've seen the packers special teams be terrible for the last decade and a half right going back to to sean slocum and ron zook and and now to to menenga and and drayton and so i i wonder i I was looking into bisaccia's results a little bit in oakland as a special teams coordinator their special teams weren't great. They were usually kind of hovering in the, the low teens, high twenties in terms of like DVOA rankings the last three years. Um, but then you go back to his teams with Dallas where he was at before he got to Oakland. And those teams were almost always top 10 special teams units. Uh, then you go back even farther to when he was in San Diego, he took that, he got there in t- 2011, 2010 was the year that they had like the last place ranked special teams that made them go nine and seven and miss the playoffs entirely. He turned them around to, uh, was it 23rd the next year? And then eight, took them to a top 10 team, eighth place in 2012. So he knows how to, um, you know, how to turn these units around. Um, I just, I, I think I, I was a little bit put off at first, just looking at his, his rankings with Oakland, but I do wonder if some of that was, you know, he really got screwed over in terms of the personnel side of things by, you know, de facto GM, John Gruden and, and Mayock, not really, giving him much to work with. Uh, yeah. And that's, that's, units. that's one thing that people have brought up about Mayock, you know, one there uh, scouts and coaches, first and foremost, are some of the cattiest <laughs> people in the whole world because yeah. they're not even necessarily in charge of like their specific units, you know, within the building. So if you give them an opportunity to kick someone while they're, you know, stumbling out the door, they'll do it. When Mayock wasn't kept as the general manager for the Raiders, one of the things that was brought up consistently is Mayock doesn't watch special teams. He doesn't understand special teams and stuff like that. And one of the big things, you know, at any level of football, and they talked about it after the game was like, how often are you going to let your starter? How long are you, how often are you going to let like 
contributors actually contribute on special teams. I'm friends with uh, the special teams coach at San Jose State. Um, he helped me a good bit in 2020, which was, or I guess, I guess we coached in 2021 in, in February when we had to delay the season because of COVID and all that stuff. I coached high school ball, was a special teams coordinator for the first time. So I ended up picking the brain of San Jose State uh, special teams coordinator because my buddy Coach Vass kind of put me through with him. And that was one of the things he said. He was like, basically, you know, he had coached with the Raiders. He had coached at the NFL level, the college level at a bunch of spots. He's just happy coaching at San Jose State. But he had basically said to me, like, every time we had success when I was a special teams coordinator, it's because we would use the starters. And every time that we <laughs> did it, it's because we did it. So, like, to a certain extent, it really is part of personnel. And that's what people always talk about when a guy like uh, a John Harbaugh, uh, you know, is involved as a head coach. And they're saying, like, he's really, like, as a special teams coordinator, you're, you're also part, like, GM in terms of, like, you know, the 35th spot to like the 53rd spot on the roster because you have a ton of pull in those type of situations. So it'll be interesting to see how they emphasize it, right? Because yep. before after this, after the season, you know, right in that postgame presser, he immediately went to, you know, I, I got to be more hands-on with this type of stuff. And it was just hard the way that their, their numbers were structured, where they have all these wide receivers, but none of them play special teams. Yeah. Well, then how, how is that going to work? Like, should they have brought in like Randall Cobb at all? Is Mari <laughs> worth it to only have him as a punt returner and, and nothing else? Is it worth it to keep Jack Heflin on the roster when, you know, Amir Abdullah is getting more snaps than him off of the practice squad and stuff like that, where it's like, there's so many things that weren't working hand in hand that it could have been a whole lot smoother throughout the year in terms of helping that special teams and having designated special teams players. I mean, they cut, Isaac Yadam, who played the third most special teams of anyone on the team right before that playoff game. Um, yeah. and, and to, I think that was for the activation of Zadarius Smith and uh, Whitney Merciless. He was released. So all that stuff is kind of tough. And, uh, you know, yeah. by Summers is going to be a free agent. He's another high special teams guy uh, that got put on injured reserve. Oren Burks is another guy that plays a ton of special teams. Like, they're going to have to answer some of these questions at some point. Um, yep. So it'll be interesting looking at it moving forward, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. And, and, and then now we've got the other changes on the coaching staff too, right? We've got Adam Stenovich, who you and I had talked about earlier this season as a possible OC um, getting the job after Hackett. All the stars, Denver, so. all the stars lined up perfectly, yeah. perfectly for him. So basically this is, uh, this is what happened. So obviously Nathaniel Hackett gets hired as the head coach of the Denver Broncos, which then triggers uh, Dan Quinn, to just pull out of the head coaching race <laughs> completely, which I thought was really interesting. I mean, we saw that one time last year with Dayball, right? Where Dayball, he still, he, he got turned down for uh, the Chargers job when he was a finalist. And then he basically said, I don't want to be in Houston. That seems toxic. I don't want to be in Philadelphia. That seems toxic. I've never seen a head coach pull out after the first hire of, of the offseason. That, that was kind of interesting for me. I thought yep. Quinn, you know, probably could have been the head coach of, he was in contention for Chicago. He was in contention for Miami. And, and this is what triggered all that stuff too, right? Like Hackett was going to take a flight to Jacksonville. Denver kept him at home and said, hey, how about you sign on this dotted line and we're able to get it done. Then the very next second, you know, Dan Quinn pulls out and then the Bears are like, well, we got to hire Eberflus right now though, because that's our last guy on the board, which I thought was weird. So a head coaching or an offensive coordinator job opens for the Packers. Luke Getzey ends up taking the offensive coordinator job with the Chicago Bears, where he's going to end up being a play caller 
for Matt Eberflus. Um, Getsy was a guy who had previously interviewed for the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator opening. So him leaving wasn't really a surprise. And he was kind of rumored to be uh, in the mix for the Akron head coaching job. Uh, you know, the Mac school, it's still, you know, FBS division one, all that. And then it ended up actually going to basically his mentor in uh, Joe Moorhead, who was the offensive coordinator at Oregon had previously uh, been the head coach at, you know, Mississippi state, you know, before he was uh, at, at the FCS level and then became the OC at Penn state. So then it became, all right, well, the Packers got to hire an offensive coordinator and it's not going to be Lou Getze. Um, so the Packers ended up promoting, um, I'm spacing out on his name again. Uh, we just, we just said Senevich, <laughs> the offensive, the offensive line coach who had been really involved. Um, yeah. You know, the, the Packers had talked about, and even Aaron Rodgers had talked about how he's coming to these meetings with like plays in hand and you don't yeah. often see, you know, offensive line coaches that are drawing up like the funky Andy Reid stuff at the goal line. It seems like that was kind of his role on this team. Yeah. There was the, the one play earlier this year. I remember it was the, the Randall Cobb gets, gets the handoff and then does the pitch the, the runs the option to AJ Dillon um, down near the goal line. I think that was in the, uh, one of the, the first couple of games. Um, and, and Stenovich was credited as being the guy who drew that one up. So that was the one that first put him on my radar as, Oh, like, O-line coach is, is drawn up plays. I like this. Um, and, and he did get run game coordinator duties this year too. That was a new thing for 2021. So it kind of seemed like they were, you know, grooming him to, to potentially move into uh, a role like that. Getsy leaving, like you said, wasn't a big surprise to me, especially when he can go to a place where he can call plays, right? He's going to be the guy developing that offense around Justin Fields because Iberflus is a, a defensive coach. So I think that's a, a really good opportunity for him. Um, certainly a better chance for him to, to be able to develop an offense in, you know, whatever his own scheme is going to look like. Uh, than he would ever have gotten in Green Bay under a guy like LaFleur. Yeah, and then uh, Luke Getze, or uh, Luke Buckus, sorry about that. Luke Buckus, uh, son of, or grandson of Dick Buckus, who definitely isn't running his own Twitter account. <laughs> no I, way. I, have you seen that? There's no oh, yeah. way it's actually Dick Buckus. It's got to be someone else. Yeah, it's it's got to be like his, his uh, one of his other grandsons or, his his nephew or something who's got to be running that it's he's way too good at twitter for a you know 75 year old former nfl player it's definitely a millennial or a zoomer running that account mm -hmm. there's no chance that that it's uh buckus but luke buckus uh gets promoted from assistant offensive line coach to offensive line coach that's not surprising at all the way that they nope. talked about buckus i mean he's the one um i guess like assistant who's kind of like talked up all year and really when you hear you know assistant offensive line coach versus offensive line like uh an assistant who is an offensive line coach i know yeah. it gets like weird into like titles and verbiage and stuff he's still in the meetings he's not necessarily like the on-field coach um running the entire show but he's still very involved the other thing about the offensive line those guys have so much pull in the building and the assistant offensive line coach specifically has so much pull because you're thinking about an offense has 11 players an offensive line has five so the entire yep. offense is basically being overseen or half of the offense is being overseen by one guy. So that assistant guy doesn't end up getting a ton of reps just because how often you need to have eyes in different spots. I mean, it's hard right. to watch five guys at the same time. Um, so that happened. Uh, uh, Justin Alton, I believe that's how you say his name. The tight ends yep. coach ended up being uh, hired by Hackett as his offensive coordinator. He actually wanted to hire Stenovich at first. Um, the Packers actually blocked that interview, which I thought was interesting because, you know, LaFleur had talked about 
how he wasn't going to block interviews because he understands like if you block interviews, guys aren't going to want to come coach for you. And it just helps everyone down the pipeline. There's so much turnover that building animosity, you know, over time is going to end up hurting you a lot more than it's going to end up helping you to keep a guy just for, you know, one extra year. Um, I guess the difference in that situation would be they were willing to promote him to offensive coordinator, which they probably would have done with Luke Getze. But the difference is Getze went to a place where he can call plays. And yeah. that was never going to be the situation for Stenovich. In- right. So I guess it's like uh, if you can beat our offer in terms of not only <laughs> title, but like play calling, then yeah. you can leave. If we it- can match it, you're staying right here. Yeah, for sure. And, and I'm trying to remember if it was Lafleur. I know, I know, Kyle Shanahan did the, took this approach when Lafleur wanted to hire his brother Mike. Yeah, as, he blocked him. As he blocked him because Mike wasn't going to get play calling duties as offensive coordinator in Green Bay. Now maybe Lafleur has kind of taken that same approach that I'm going to let you you go and interview if you're going to be able to to call plays and have a substantial step up, um, but not if if you won't have that opportunity. Like you said, Steno wouldn't have had that under Hackett. Hackett's going to be the play caller out in Denver. Um, but ultimately, I think that one kind of boils down to they knew they wanted him as their guy to to succeed Hackett, and they just said no. We're not we're not letting you even even talk to him because he's going to get your old job. That's that's my guess at least as to how that one played out. Right, and they haven't named technically a run game coordinator. Um, and you would think that anyone who would get that title is already on the roster. I mean, they promoted a tight ends coach. Um, they, you know, have Ben Sermons there as a running backs coach. He's still there. Yep. And then, you know, they promoted Luke Buckus from assistant online coach to online coach. So maybe no one gets the run game coordinator title this yeah. year, but they did give pass game coordinator to Jason Vrabel, um, the wide receivers coach. So if you're keeping track at home, essentially every single offensive uh, coach got a promotion or at least got their title changed. Other than Ben Sermons, the running backs coach, you know, since that uh, Niners Packers game went final. So it's yep. been a uh, been a good couple of weeks for yeah. uh, Packers offensive coaches or yeah. offensive assistants, at least in terms of uh, the checkbook. Yeah. And so the only the only vacancy left out here, right, is the quarterbacks coach. We still need right. somebody to come in here and and coach that position because uh, they promoted Connor Lewis, who is a, an analyst. Uh, previously to assistant quarterbacks coach so that green bay has an assistant qb coach but no quarterbacks coach yet um, right so that's that looks like the one uh vacancy and i do think it is interesting that there have been no changes at all on the defensive coaching staff so far um i don't think you need to i, I mean Jerry i don't think Gray there will a be good job Jim yeah. montgomery did a good job mike smith is he's gonna show up banged up to have oh, yeah. press conferences but he's funny. <laughs> so yeah I, I don't think that they need to the, the one no, guy you hear about the least is uh i'm gonna butcher his last name <laughs> kirk oliva dotty i believe is how you say his name sounds uh, probably pretty close he was the guy who you know coached up devondre campbell and got mm-hmm. him from you know a two million dollar player to a first team all pro in a year and had uh chris barnes looking pretty solid they also had a great moment i don't know if you caught it um ola dotty oliva dotty I'm, I'm going to mess it up every time was caught at the pro bowl talking to James Conner. I guess his uh, daughter had cancer um, when James Conner was with the Steelers and he was saying, you know, Hey, you know, you signed, you know, her Jersey and all this stuff. And she's oh, that's cool. practice and all that. So yeah, that's that was awesome. actually like real cool. Um, definitely a lot more entertaining than the actual pro pro bowl game. As oh, yeah. Someone who watched 
you know, a quarter of it, but it is interesting, you know, the quarterbacks coach situation that they did promote the assistant quarterbacks coach to tight ends coach. They don't have an internal hire at quarterbacks coach, which is the only vacancy that they haven't, you know, internally promoted. Um, that guy also has uh, prior experience uh, with the Rogers family. He was yeah. a, he, he worked at Vanderbilt for uh, Jordan Rogers. I have a buddy who works for next gen stats now um, who, who worked with him, uh, you know, at Vanderbilt. Um, when they were both kind of in like the uh, student, I don't know, like student coaching basically is is what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, he Grand said he's assistant real, type thing. Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said he's real bright. Um, nice. My buddy, Nate Tice, uh, who worked, you know, with the Raiders and Falcons and stuff too. I think there was some, I, I think they had crossover at the Raiders. He vouched for him too. So sounds like they're getting a good, pretty good tight ends coach. Um, even though he doesn't necessarily have that kind of like tight ends coach background, at least at the NFL level. It's just going to be interesting to see who they grab at quarterbacks coach, right? Because they interviewed the uh, tight ends coach from the Los Angeles Chargers for their offensive coordinator opening, um, who had just been in Green Bay the year prior as like a analyst or an assistant coach. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they interviewed, uh, dang, what's his name? The quarterback from uh, Utah. Uh, he's a quarterbacks coach at Philadelphia. Philly, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of thought like maybe they're using the offensive coordinator search to actually kind of fill out the quarterbacks and uh, tight ends coach search. I know that kind of gets a little bit tricky, but the fact that they already gave the pass game coordinator title to Jason Vrabel makes me think they aren't going for like a splash hire at QB coach, which is yeah. interesting when Aaron, Rod- you're recruiting Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, right? And every yeah. dude that he talked to basically other than Vrabel and Stenovich is now out the room. Like yep. the guys who are closest to him in terms of day-to-day work, which are, you know, Hackett, Getze, and offense, and yeah, I guess Stenovich moved up, but Hackett and Getze, I mean, them being gone, I feel like the immediate reaction from Packers fans was like, this hurts Aaron's chances to return to Green Bay. But after looking at how the NFC has played out the past couple of weeks, I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh... – you certainly had had things open up a little bit with with Brady retiring and then you know not being retired and finally retiring on his own terms. That was a whole fun little saga too. So that was that was nice to see another fan base deal with uh, Adam Schefter kind of jumping the gun. But no, it's it's it, and, and there's ways to to still keep most of this team together and and offload cap into 2023 and beyond when the cap is going to going to jump up and still keep this a a competitive team that is is right in the Super Bowl chase if you have uh Rodgers and and Adams and company back and we'll we'll touch on that in a little bit but there's there's no reason why this team you know as currently constructed even if you end up having to lose a couple pieces on defense isn't still going to be one of the best teams in the NFC uh breaking news sound like <laughs> i want to see i want to see your reaction to this oh, you've seen it i did the texans <laughs> are now in talks with associate head coach and defensive coordinator lovey smith oh lovey becoming their next head coach i mean this is a weird situation man like so they had ruled out the eagles defensive coordinator who is very young the eagles were not great on defense i think you can put a lot of that on personnel um, mm-hmm. To be totally fair, I know everyone, want, especially with everything that's come out with all the Flores stuff, everyone wants to yeah. jump out on white offensive, white, uh, not even offensive coordinator. He's a defensive coordinator, you know, who's a young guy and doesn't have very many, you know, bona fides. Why is he getting, you know, interviews over other guys? Gannon did have 
personnel issues, especially at safety, that really limited that Eagles team. But they weren't good on defense. He's very young. He's pretty inexperienced. And he became a finalist for that team. Um, and they ran probably the most vanilla scheme defensively, you know, in the league this year. Uh, it's probably them or uh, the Raiders. And Gus Bradley, you know, ends up <laughs> with the uh, Indianapolis Colts. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Those pass rushers are going to be on islands, basically. Um, but so it, it so Gannon was ruled out. Then it became, OK, we're down to Flores and Josh McCown. Josh McCown <laughs> being the guy who is basically Easterby's pet oh. project. You know, he was coaching high school ball, I think, this past year. Um, and now Lovey Smith is in the mix. I mean, what the back in the past, what 13 months? What a turn for the Houston. Oh my gosh. You can't imagine anything worse than the last, the last 13 months with these guys. No, like if you're going to make Lovey the coach now, why didn't you do it? you know, five months ago when Bob was gone and, and Lovey was the associate head coach, defensive coordinator. Anyway, um, he's got head coaching experience. It's, it surprises me if they're willing to hire him now, why they would have put David Cully in there instead of Lovey, um, you know, during the 21 season. Cause you're already paying all that money to Coley. Like Coley is getting that yeah. guaranteed. You'll pay him $25 million basically to have that season. And he beat expectations for like, yeah. Why wouldn't you just keep that guy around? Um, right. More reporting on this. Uh, Texans were expected to hire Josh McCown per Brian T. Smith. Uh, Adam Schefter says Texans still believe Josh McCown will one day be a great, great head coach, but it doesn't look like today. Benjamin Albright says uh, Texans make the second team in this cycle to be given an ultimatum by their league candidate and then move on to a reserve candidate. So this sounds like they were down to go with Josh McCown. Josh McCown made some sort of like, this is the line. You guys cannot cross it. And they said, all right, have fun. Um, These coaching searches are getting nuts. I mean, the Minnesota search, I guess we could talk about that now. It sounds like from all the reporting and from a few of the people that I know who actually cover uh, the Minnesota Vikings, this isn't from people in the league. This is just people who cover it. It sounds like Jim Harbaugh took that interview, assuming he was getting the job, Michigan assumed he was going to get the job and the Vikings were like, as long as he doesn't mess this up and he's Jim Harbaugh, so he can't (laughs) mess this up. He's going to get the job. And he walked in seemingly totally unprepared, assuming they were just going to give him an offer sheet. And they just said, we're not that impressed and moved on from him and ended up grabbing Kevin O'Connell, who's going to be, you know, coaching uh, the offense for the Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl. Did did I see that Harbaugh's interview lasted like nine hours? Did I see reporting on that? Yeah, like, which is you assume holy crap, long interviews mean good, right? Yeah, like, I just assumed long interviews mean good, and mm-hmm. apparently not so much. No, no. So, uh, I mean, it's it still kind of floored me that that Harbaugh finally, like the year that he finally breaks through as Michigan's head coach and beats Ohio State, you know, when he's going to have the best job security he's ever going to have at Michigan um, after making the playoff and everything, that, that this was the time that he wanted to go back into the NFL. Um, I, maybe, maybe he's burned out on recruiting. Um, I've heard that mentioned a little bit. Um, I guess that's about the only thing that makes sense to me. But um, yeah, that certainly doesn't reflect, reflect well on him. If uh, he went in there just, you know, assuming that that he was coming out of there with a job offer, no matter what. Michigan's a very interesting program. And I'm sure there's, 
you know, just because, you know, Packers have so much crossover over the Midwest, the, the lines have been so bad. I'm sure there's Michigan fans who are also Packers fans who are listening to this. Michigan doesn't really, the donor base, I should say, which is very important distinction, doesn't really see themselves as Ohio State. They don't necessarily want to put in the money to compete with an Ohio State. They would be totally fine with just like, we're a premier basketball program and we're just like Northwestern at football, um, which is different than what their fan base wants. Yeah. Right. Um, so part of what happened with Harbaugh is before this year, he had to take a massive pay cut. He had to fire his buddy as the defensive coordinator. Um, and I, I think some of this was a play by Harbaugh in terms of like, let's earn some of that money, some of that power in, you know, the athletic department back after this big, you know, this big season by flirting with another team on national signing day. But I really do think he wanted, he wanted that Vikings job. He just didn't express it or prepare for it enough, um, which is a bummer on his end. Um, Before we get into the cap stuff, because I know you have a lot of thoughts on that. I just, I want to get back to the Rogers thing just real quick we have to do like a temperature check by the week now. So oh, like yeah. after the game, I'm at a zero, right? I'm like, they're, <laughs> oh, yeah. they, they're going to have a worse team than they had this year. So why would he run it back with this team? And then you see all the things in the NFC, Brady retires, uh, Russell Wilson might be out, all that stuff. There's really all the talent for the young quarterbacks, at least are in the AFC. So why would you run to the AFC? The Packers aren't going to trade you to the NFC. We know that pretty well. If you go to Denver, you're going to be going against Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes six times a year. Um, Denver looks good on paper until you realize if you want Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers there, you're going to have to give up something, you know, and by something, I don't mean one first round pick like a lot of yeah. people are thinking. For whatever reason, people are like a first, a second, and uh, Noah Fant for Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. There's no, hold that man hostage. Yeah. They traded Brett Favre to the Jets. You think they're just going to give Aaron Rodgers what he wants? No. Um, ESPN reported earlier today the Packers have no intention to trade Aaron Rodgers, which I thought was interesting. Um, if I asked you, who are the longest tenured head coach and quarterback combos in the NFC, what would you guess? Oh, man. Um, well, yeah, Rodgers LaFleur is, what, three years? That's probably – I, I don't even know if I can it's think third. of it's third. Oh, there's two, there's two that are longer. Um, McCarthy. Well, Car- Carol and, and Russell Wilson. That's number one since, since 2012. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. And is, Russell it Wilson Sh- is it Shanahan and Jimmy G? You nailed it. The oh my God. Two. Russell Wilson, 2012, Jimmy Garoppolo, 2017. And oh both of God. those quarterbacks might be gone. I mean, we're looking at a scenario where Aaron Rodgers in a month, very well might be the long, like him and LaFleur might be the longest tenure coach quarterback combo in the NFC. I mean, there's a complete turnover, you know? So I don't know, man, you look at that and you're like, well, how many places are actually better suited than green Bay right now with Aaron Rodgers? When you look at the rest of the division and you're like, they just hired Kirk's dude. So Kirk isn't going (laughs) to, go anywhere anytime soon uh yep. kevin o'connell by the way the new head coach of the vikings had been the quarterback's coach in washington for kirk so that's the connection there chicago that has Eberflus as a defensive coordinator so hope you know maybe getsy um 
as a first time play caller does a good job with Justin Fields, but I don't know. It, yeah. That, that's more TBD for me mm-hmm. than me hanging my hat there. And then obviously, uh, uh, Jared Goff is the quarterback of the Detroit Lions as, as it stands today. And this isn't a good quarterback's class. So if the Lions spend that, what is it, second overall pick on, yeah. uh, on a quarterback, I, I don't know if the return on investment is even there. So I don't know, man. I, I, yeah. I feel like a seven on the uh, he's coming back uh, ranking. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm feeling too. Like it's it's definitely more likely than not, as far as I'm concerned. So if you get uh, you get plus odds on that, I'd say take it at this point, right? So we actually, so we uh, SP Nation, all their team networks have a partnership with DraftKings, right? Um, you guys have seen it on the website. You know, this whole year we, with the opening lines, um, the picks, all that stuff. We use DraftKings lines. I actually got to ask the uh the like head uh lines maker what they would put Aaron Rodgers odds at returning to the Packers this this year yeah um the the way the way that it framed it the the actual uh I guess odd sheet looks like this where will Aaron Rodgers be for game one of the 2022-23 regular season number one is the Broncos at plus 200 Number two is the Buccaneers at plus 250. And number three is the Packers at plus 300. And then the rest is Steelers plus 550. Wow. Everyone else is, you know, plus 1,000 over. Retired is only plus 5,000. I feel like if the value here, one is retired. Yeah. And then two is Packers. Because I yep. feel like those are, that covers like 90% of future scenarios in my opinion i I completely agree yeah i'm i'm with you i i do think the retirement thing um a lot of people have been talking about is he going to want to share a hall of fame stage with tom brady and big ben i don't know if that i i I don't know i don't know if that would play into his his thought process fans would be so pissed i mean imagine watching a quarterback (laughs) for like 20 years and then you're fighting for tickets with packers fans and pats fans like yeah it's gonna be tough so no i i like you said, I if if put a gun to my head right now, yeah, I think I think Rogers is back in a Packers uniform. And if he is back, actually, you know what? This is when we talk about the cap. So we'll take it to break and then we'll come back and it. talk about the cap. And we're back. All right. If Rogers does come back, yeah. and we loop this back into the cap situation. If Rogers does come back, he almost certainly has to sign an extension. The way oh, the, yeah. that it's set up right now. Um, I'll pull up the numbers right now in terms of what his cap hit looks like. I've, I've got if, it. Yeah, it's 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 stupid. It's forty six point seven million dollars is his cap. There's hit no for way he returns. No, and a quarter of the cap is spent on just him. He nope. he will he will he's not going to give up money. I'll say no. that. But they'll you know give him a five year deal, turn that salary into a bonus. It'll all hit you know his bank account at one time instead of being paid out you know in in one sixth or one seventeenth now checks throughout the season and it'll relieve some cap space so that he his teammates can come back right so that he can do his off-season free agency recruiting that he wants to talk about all the time and how players always want to play with him which we've seen with what merciless jalen smith and Cobb is basically all we've seen i I guess they were they were in contention for the obj thing but it didn't come through um yeah but yeah, so I, I've played around with the numbers on an extension, and 
basically it all boils down to what his signing bonus is going to be because any of these big deals like the, like these are going to end up being, you're going to get a big signing bonus. You're going to end up playing like a league minimum um, base salary. And then you'll have your like per game roster bonuses and workout bonuses and stuff. So the thing that really matters is all right for, at least for 2022 is if he gets an extension, how big is that signing bonus going to be? I ballparked it at like 75 mil. The, the, let me look find his signing bonus on his last deal which i think was like 50 45 um there it is 57.5 was what the signing bonus was in 2018 when he signed that deal so another couple of years 75 you know maybe that's a little higher than that but if we if we call it there that puts his cap hit at about 36 million for 2022 so you shave about 10 or 11 million dollars off the cap with that move but yeah you're you're absolutely right there's no there's no possible way he plays the last year of his contract as it is currently written um, not with the Packers already being $50 million over the cap for 2022 um, just based on the, the contracts that they have in the books. So then you start getting into, all right, we've saved $10 million by extending Rogers. If you do trade him, you save 20 million. Um, but let's assume he's coming back, right? So we've saved 10 million bucks. We still got to shave off another 40 million just to get under the cap for day one of, of the season uh, in March 16th, I think this year. So that starts to get into your roster bonus conversions, which are the easy ones, right? So David Bakhtiari has got a nine and a half million dollar roster bonus this year. He's got another four years left on his deal. That's a super easy conversion. Turn that into a signing bonus. You save six and a half million dollars this year. Kenny Clark, same thing. He's got a six and a half million dollar roster bonus. You shave off about four and a quarter million off the cap. You can do the same thing with Aaron Jones. Um, those three are the big ones. And, and that combined is about 14 million. So you're about halfway there now with the Rogers extension and some, some, uh, some contract conversions that the Packers can basically do without even having to, you know, to do anything differently. Right. They do it. Their roster bonuses, these guys are going to get them on the fourth day of the league year. Anyway, you just write that check five days early and, and you're pretty much done. So we're already halfway there without cutting anybody, which is nice. So that's, that's at least step one, but then you start getting into the cuts. Um, Randall Cobb, no brainer, right? Like Cobb's not coming back. He's certainly not coming back on his current deal. Not with a $9 million. That's, that's the big one where it's like, Aaron, if, if you want to hang out with your buddy and I understand that has value to you, yep, someone's got to leave money on the table because Cobb making top 10 money in terms of the cap hit on this roster again, that that doesn't work. When nope. Alan Lazard is going to be on a, a tender, um, Devontae Adams is going to get paid like crazy if he does come back. Um, you know, MBS is going to be a free agent. Equinamia St. Brown is walking through that door probably. So there's just no way that you could justify Randall right. Cobb making that much money. That money was available in August. It's not available anymore. Like exactly. it's time to pay the piper a little bit. Yeah. And that one cutting him saves $7 million. So if you really want him back, talk Randall into, you know, taking the cut and then coming back on something closer to like a veteran minimum or a, a the, the veteran minimum exception deal. So that's another six, 7 million bucks. Um, can we talk about asking Mason Crosby to retire? Because that's Let's, up there. It's, it is up there. I think. That's there's two and a no half million dollars contract. No, there's two and a half million no dollars savings by him either retiring or or you're releasing him. And and it's painful to to talk about a, a, you know another guy who's been in 
in this this organization for 15 years now but um yeah that's one where where you're pinch when you're pitching every penny that's an easy two and a half mil that you're going to have to to do something about um next one i've got is preston smith is probably on the chopping block um that's 12 and a half million dollars in cap savings um and then you can get by to the rest of the cap with two other transactions i think it's it's extending Jair Alexander, which I know you have thoughts about, um, but you can save uh, about five or $6 million on the cap uh, because if you're buying out his uh, first round option year and then giving him a, a contract extension. And then the other one is Adrian Amos, who I think will get and deserves to get an extension, not just a, a restructure of his bonus. Um, he's 28. He turns 29 next month. Um, well, April, I guess. So a couple months out. But he, he plays a position at safety where, you know, guys are still very productive into their early to mid thirties. So you could sign him to Especially a three year extension that he plays where right. he's more of a physical safety that he's yep. not Earl Thomas, middle of the field. Everything has to be athleticism. Once that yep. goes downhill, he's going to be coming off the bench for the Baltimore Ravens. Like that's yeah. not what Adrian Amos's future looks like at all. Absolutely. So yeah, you can still, you can still get solid value on a contract for him, you know, extending him out another three or four years. So that can save you another two and a half, three million bucks. Um, and then you can, you can move some stuff around with Billy Turner. He might be another one um, where you could consider extending him a couple of years, or at least move some of his $5 million base salary into a signing bonus, save another three or 4 million bucks. So that's basically all of that gets you, to being solvent with the cap and having a couple million bucks left over for your exclusive rights, free agents, and probably a tender for Lazard. The big question then becomes, all right, how do you get Devonte back? Uh, if you want him back, um, if you're going to use a franchise tag on him, that means you have to account for that $20 million franchise tag on day one of the league year. And the only way to do that, I think is by cutting Zedarius also. Yep. Um, the cut there is 15 mil on the cap. Um, you can, try to restructure him but i think if the packers were going to leave that door open for themselves this year they would have given him the same kind of restructure with void years that they gave so many of the other guys last year they didn't do that and and i think the reason they didn't do that is probably to make it more palatable to release him this offseason um if if it came to that um i think playing with the numbers i think you can only get his cap hit down to about 18 million if you restructure his deal um and then you're still you know eating a bunch of money on the 23 cap whereas if you just cut him outright you're at you you save another 15 16 million bucks so that's probably the big one that is going to have to go if you bring Devonte back now obviously that's a we're talking about cutting zadarius we're talking about cutting preston smith um but if those are the only two pieces that you're really losing um, at least off the roster who have signed for next year. We obviously haven't talked about finding a way to re-sign Russell Douglas or Devondre Campbell. So that's, that's the four big pieces off that defense that you're, you're probably or potentially losing uh, to keep Rogers or Rogers and Adams in house. But that's, that's the price that you have to pay to maintain that elite quarterback and receiver combination and you're much more likely to to find your way to the super bowl with an elite quarterback and elite wide receiver than you are with you know an elite four deep pass or three four deep pass rush so that's i think that's the way it breaks down is is 
you're cutting Preston, you're cutting Randall Cobb, you're finding something with Crosby, you're probably cutting Zadarius. Um, and that's really the only way that you can get under the cap, be able to sign draft picks, be able to sign your free, your, your low priced free agents and, you know, find a way to get both Rogers and Adams back in the fold. Um, did you bring up Dean Lowry? I can't remember. I didn't. That. And that's a good, that's a okay. good call. He's, he's another one that you can play around with a little bit. You cut him. You're at like $4 million saved. You can probably do a restructure with him as well and save like two and a half or three. So that's another you know good chunk of change that you can. Um, that's the other, other veteran contract I think that's out there, but otherwise you start looking down the list after, after those guys, I think Lowry's the last one. Gary, he's still on his rookie contract. Elton Jenkins, obviously, on a rookie contract. I'm just looking down the list of cap hits, and you're talking guys on their rookie deals, and you're you're not going to be able to to touch those. So, uh, basically, every veteran who is on a second contract at this point is going to either get cut or is going to have their roster bonus or base salary converted into a signing bonus with void years if you have to, to spread out into 2023 and beyond. Um, and, and they're going to do it. I mean, that's, that's the only way they can get under the cap, regardless of whether they bring Rogers or, or Adams back. Right. The, the two big things that I would say, I think all your ana- analysis is spot on, right? The one that hurts the most easily is just cutting Zadarius Smith. Hopefully yeah. you can trade him, but even still at, at the number that he's at, it's going to be pretty hard to move him after the the season that he had coming off of a back injury, barely being able to play, you know, this year. So that, that sucks. Like there's, there's no way to, there's no way other way to explain it. I mean, this yep. sucks. Some, some other team is going to get a very talented pass rusher and the Packers are going to have to replace him. Um, I think all of the other releases like, uh, you know, Cobb, Mason Crosby, all that stuff makes sense to me. The big thing I would say about, specifically the Larry and Preston Smith contract. I think those are the ones that you try the hardest to extend them and try to figure out some sort of negotiation where you're like, look, you're obviously not worth what your cap hit is going to be right now. We would like you to be here. We will give you money up front in a signing bonus. We just need to spread it over multiple seasons. How does that sound? Because I don't think that Preston and Dean Lowry are like, going to get released and break the bank in free agency or anything right um i yeah, think those almost, are the guys that you have those conversations with yeah it's it's maybe a similar conversation to what they had with aj hawk many years back right, right where they ended up releasing him and then re-signing him to a, a a cheaper deal maybe it's not that drastic but it's a hey we want you here we want to drop that number we've got to do it to keep the keep the band together you know, can we come to some some agreement where, you know, they did it with Preston last year with find a way to work it in with incentives or something um, to, to drop that number, spread it out and, and you know, give them the ability to, to earn some of that money back over the course of the season. Um, maybe that's another way to go with these guys. The other thing to remember about this, too, especially so we already talked about Devontae a little bit, but bringing him on a long term contract is very much a premium for this team. I mean, it's such a huge deal to be able to get him year one on even a three-year contract versus having him on that franchise tag where he's going to end up making like $20 million a year immediately in February. Um, So, yeah, that's, that's a a really good, that's an, that's a great point because yeah, if you can, if you can franchise tag him and then um, find a way to get to an extension before the league year starts, then that's, that cuts down 
right how much cap space you need to i mean that, that becomes okay now we can talk to russell douglas right and yeah. campbell's agent right like that's yep. that's kind of the positive that that brings into yeah. the situation plus the fact that draft picks do cost money um as much as people don't really think you know everyone just thinks oh draft picks rookie contracts everyone's just cheap a first round pick still does matter like they might be in a situation where if Devonte is still on a franchise tag on draft day they might have to trade out of the first round and they might have yeah. to just trade the first round pick for like a future a future pick I, I i would think that in a scenario where aaron Rodgers does leave where Devonte adams does leave you no longer want to push that money back. You'd rather eat that money right now and yeah. then plan for the future. In those situations, I think the Packers value 2023 picks more than 2022 picks. Yeah. Just because if imagine trading uh, Aaron Rodgers for three firsts and Devontae for a first and a second, and they're all in 2022. Well, now you have to clear the cap space for all that stuff too. Right. Like that, that stuff isn't just... It's not free money. It's not like they just get assumed <laughs> onto your roster. You also then are still going to have to cut guys like Dean Lowry, uh, let guys like Devondre Campbell and Russell Douglas go. Um, yeah, that last piece about uh, Jair is the interesting. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. And the big red button in Green Bay is we can move all of uh, Jair Alexander's 13.3 million dollar cap hit to another team because he's on a fifth year option and we could bring Russell Douglas back for much cheaper. And if there's a big red like eject button on like we got to get this done so that you know we lock up two corners and we don't value three corners so we weren't going to offer Russell Douglas a contract like we weren't like we didn't offer Micah Hyde or Casey Hayward that contract if you're only going to keep two corners which is what the Packers under the administration of Ted Thompson and uh, Brian Gutekunst have done. The last piece, which is the most desperate piece, yeah. is trade Jair Alexander so you don't have to pay him a contract and so you don't have to uh, assume the, the cap hit that comes with that fifth-year option. Yep. Yeah, and that, uh, that, that is the, that's the panic button. Right. Like yes. that's, that's, that's the, that's the break in case, you know, break glass in case of emergency situation. But to your point, it's, it's there and it's, it's a possibility. So um, it's going to be, man, it's going to be a crazy next six weeks as we start to, to figure out what happens here, because obviously we've got the Super Bowl coming up next week, two weeks later, because the Super Bowl has been pushed back a week, then we've got the combine. Right. Um, so that starts to, to really, you know, start fueling all sorts of, off-season rumors between you know draft and free agency and all that fun stuff um and then two weeks after that we've got the start of the league year and and everything has to pretty much be decided by then so i mean you're looking at probably around combine week you know that first week of march is when you know rogers probably needs to to kind of have an answer to this team especially if you know as he's promised he'll he'll have an answer before the franchise tag deadline so you're, you're those first two weeks in, in March are going to be a whirlwind and it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, but it's going to be crazy. Uh, far crazier than the, you know, the, the whirlwind of the four hours in 2019 when the Packers went on a spending spree, this is going to be a whole different animal. Yeah, definitely. Um, two more things I want to add. Uh, so the franchise tag deadline, you're going to hear about that a lot. It's really 
a window more than a deadline. So it starts February 22nd. It ends March 8th. Uh, Roger said that he would have an answer by then. He'll probably have an answer earlier than that. I mean, it shouldn't take too long to yeah. figure out, like, all right, if Rodgers is coming back, we want to tag Devontae, right? Right. Like, and and you have a couple of days to do it. But we already saw, you know, Ian Rappaport reported that, you know, the Packers are expected to use the tag on Devontae if he does, you know, hit free agency and they don't come to terms for a contract. The other thing is, I know we make this sound like absolute hell. The Packers are like, just barely being able to keep things together with, you know, gum and string. But in 2023, the Packers yeah. cap situation right now, they have over a hundred million dollars in effective cap space, which is one, two, three, four, five, sixth in the league. Um, so this is really a 2022 thing. And I guess yep. this would be if we are Russ Ball and Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy, this is the pitch to Aaron Rodgers where it's look, the NFC is down. All the young quarterbacks are in the AFC right now. So there's so much turnover in the NFC. You're about to be the longest, uh, you know, GM, head coach, quarterback administration yep. in this half of the league. If we can get through 2022 and 2022, even with the roster constructed at the way that it is, yep. you're probably you're expecting s- 11 and six, which is yeah. still a playoff berth. You're you're still you're still winning the NFC North in all likelihood. You're still you know hosting a, a first round playoff game, and you still get a great chance at winning the Super Bowl in an NFC that, like you said, is kind of a mess. Jimmy Garoppolo very nearly made it to to the Super Bowl. So yeah. if he can do that, 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 that's there's some randomness involved. So if you can pitch him on that and say, look, 2022 isn't going to be the best, but if you stick through 2022, and you know. The team at the very least is going to host a, you know, wild card game. 2023 and 2024 is when this team thrives, right? It's wide that's open. When, yep. That's when it's wide open. As long as they hit draft picks. Um, I guess this is the other thing, you know, we're going to be talking about the draft uh, pretty often considering, you know, the Packers basically are going to be out of the free agent mix. I would say, you know, outside of the guys that they yep. have on their own roster, like maybe they bring back the Devondre Campbell. Maybe they bring back, Russell Douglas, MVS, guys like that, Tonyan. Um, but most of their, you know, new talent is going to come from the draft, not free agency. When we're talking about these scenarios where Zadarius is cut, uh, Preston might end up leaving, Dean Lowry might end up leaving. I know everyone wants them to take a wide receiver. I, I, I know that's the flashy thing that everyone wants. They're probably going to take a defensive lineman. I'm just being honest. I know how oh, yeah. the Green Bay Packers work. The way that this works is as soon as they get a little shallow on the defensive line, they start turning in draft picks. So yep. if if they went pass rusher first round, wide receiver second round, I would be the least shocked person on it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I, I, that's that's exactly it. You you know that they, they're going to need a young guy to, to pair with Gary if they move on from both Smiths. That's, that's the most – predictable thing that this front office could possibly do so make sure you know when you're doing your draft scouting out there and, and looking up your you know the, the names of guys to watch out for make sure the the pass rusher group is at the top of that list absolutely the the one i guess the nice thing is they have entire units that they don't even have to think about right running back you nope. don't need to take one you just nope. flatly you don't need to take one like there's not Enough spots on the roster with Kylan Hill coming back, Patrick Patrick Taylor looking like how he did. You don't need to yeah. get, grab one. Offensive line, 
you don't need to grab one. Like, no. unless you kick Billy to the curb, there's not going to be a reason why you need another guy. So right. I think that definitely helps. It helps them narrow things down. Plus that quarterback. I mean, if Rogers comes back, you have Jordan Love on the bench. There's no point. Right. Um, ben Kurt's been fine, fine as a practice squad guy. So like, if you're not going to value him more than, if you're not going to value a third guy more than a practice squad guy, which you're not because you have a former first round pick as your number two, then you're not going to look at that position either. So what you're looking at defense, which safety is another position where it's basically set, you know, the way that they didn't value the guys behind the starters this year. Uh, We (laughs) we talked about, you know, Vernon Scott being a healthy scratch as Uh. a safety the entire season. So if they're not looking at safety, they're not looking at quarterback. They're not looking at running back. They're not looking at the offensive line. So you're looking at tight end wide receiver. And then depending on how the cornerback unit shakes out, maybe Mm -hmm. corner. And then the front seven, Yep, that helps you narrow down things a whole lot. And if you have a narrow focus, I I, I think this team is good enough at drafting where they can pick the right guys in those situations. So agreed. If they, if they got to fill eight roster spots and they got eight (laughs) picks and they know exactly what positions they need to fill. I, I, I like their chances in those situations. Yeah. No, we've seen uh, we've seen some really good draft classes, especially at the top, out of out of Gutekunst. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm liking the way this sets up to uh, exactly to to the way that you described it. Hopefully, we get more out of Mari next year. That's and it's hard to not Please. get more out of Mari <laughs> next year, but yeah. still, we we got to get more than that out <laughs> of a third round pick. Um, yep. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? I know we touched a ton of stuff. The coaching staff turnover. The loss in the divisional round, that was just an absolute gut punch. Man. The cap situation looking forward, what they could look at the draft, anything else that we left out? No, I think, uh, you know, just just keep an eye out. I'll be breaking down more of these guys' contracts little by little um, over the next couple of weeks. So I've already got a couple kind of looking at, all right, what are our options with Preston and Randall Cobb and, and Adrian Amos? So I'll kind of keep working my way through some of the guys that I talked about um, earlier uh, over the next couple of weeks. And, um, Hoping that we'll have some some good combine stuff combine stuff coming up for uh, for everybody in the next couple of weeks too. So uh, fingers crossed that we'll actually be able to 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 meet up and do some good stuff out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm definitely going to be doing a lot of draft stuff in the near future. Um, I'm going to do stuff for you know the SB Nation NFL like national stuff. Um, I think I'm going to talk to Hutchinson, the pass rusher from Michigan, uh, for like the Super Bowl uh, radio row thing so i get to talk to him about that i'll be doing i'll be doing a lot especially breaking down these edge rushers that's my favorite spot i don't know if you yep. guys have followed I, i'm sure there's a ton of people on here who've you know just uh heard my voice you know this season and and didn't know anything about me before then but my favorite thing still is evaluating line of scrimmage players whether it's you know dns outside linebackers nose tackles offensive linemen that's kind of like my bread and butter what i enjoy the most and the Packers are going to be hyper-focused on the other side of the ball. I mean, to, to even bring it home once again, we were talking about their defensive line depth and how they didn't have it, you know, in the summer and how that was going to be an right. issue moving forward and how, you know, I, I brought it up a couple of times where I'm like, Jack Heflin is the only, th- this was in uh, camp. I was like, Jack Heflin is the only other 300 pounder in practice. So like, how is he not going to make the roster? And then he ends up making the roster. So they're definitely in a position where they're going to be taking guys that I know the most about. So I'm happy to uh, be breaking those down. Uh, we have uh, what we broke down shrine, some shrine game stuff on the website. Uh, we had the measurements from all the senior bowl and uh, the shrine game 
up on uh, Acme Packing Company. So yeah, it's it's full blown draft season because uh, free agency isn't going to give us much to talk about. Nope, no, just uh, all, all it's it's all going to be driven by you know who's leaving, not who's coming in, as far as the uh, the lead up to free agency goes. So, hundred percent. Yep, it'll be fun. It'll be something. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, stay tuned in uh, to the podcast feed, to the website. Hopefully we get a hiring at special teams coordinator and quarterbacks coach this week. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Otherwise, just uh, don't lose too much money on the Super Bowl. I once uh, (laughs) do you bet Tex? No, I'm still in a uh, I'm still in a state that has not legalized it and I haven't jumped offshore yet. So I I once I, I still contend my most degenerate bet i've ever placed was a uh what what's his name uh the wide receiver who is with the patriots who used to play for san francisco um, oh kendrick Bourne. Yeah. kendrick Bourne first touchdown scored in the super bowl <laughs> i put like 150 on it i was doing all sorts of charting i was oh, breaking man. down like down and distance red zone stuff and i'm like look this kendrick Bourne guy kyle shanahan doesn't use him between the 20s but once he gets to the red zone he loves that guy. He was kind of like uh, early Lazard. You know, remember like early Lazard? Oh, yeah. Just get a ton of goal line work. Uh, Dominic Daphne was kind of the same way. Like that was my like flyer. And I was like, look, I can get rich off of just one touchdown if he just brings <laughs> it in. And then, nope. And then I actually ended up coaching at uh, his high school, Milwaukee High, School of the Arts. Nice. No, he went uh, like one and seven in a pandemic year. Not fun. <laughs> we had a, uh, I got to talk about the uh, COVID season coaching at some point but this this is how bad it was we didn't have a senior night mm. we had one kid and we just oh, named man. the night after him yeah it was bad <laughs> this mind you oh. is after like eight months of practice no weight lifting we're just carrying medicine balls outside on the turf spaced out in the quadrants that we can't cross over because they're they're tracking us and making sure that we're in our pod so if there's a breakout only one pod has to go out it was bad we had 33 kids the entire program that's ninth through uh ninth through 12th so not oh. great pandemic year wasn't fun uh no. i was almost as bad of a special teams coordinator as, as mo drayton but not quite have fun guys <laughs> stay tuned to the feed take care go pack go